Welcome to In My Headache. I'm Aaron Rhodes. And I'm Bill Brownlee. Aaron is the oldest member of Gen Z. Bill is the world's youngest baby boomer. Aaron and I argue about, and sometimes agree on, the music we love and hate on In My Headache. In each episode, Bill and I debate the merits of two new albums and one vintage recording. In this edition of In My Headache, Aaron and I judge the latest releases by the esteemed rapper Earl Sweatshirt and the crusty Heartland rocker John Mellencamp. We also reassess Alkaline Trio's 2001 album, From Here to Infirmary. In My Headache is brought to you by the Vinyl Underground of Seventh Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 and Troost in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Uh, so on, on this episode, uh, it's another, uh, you know, as we alternate, uh, on each episode, it, I have the first pick here and, uh, my pick for this week was, as you know, Earl Sweatshirt's new album, Sick. I'm gonna need a bigger bag for the cohort Trying to make a millionaire out of slum dogs Bet that head crack blunt force Cozy with the East Africans up north Where seven make it three turn to ten by law Crescent moon wink when I blinked it was gone uh, as, you, as you may know, Earl is an alumni of I, I, I don't know how to use what Like the proper, is it alumnus, alumni? I, alumna? He, alumna? Yeah, okay, no. sure what we know what you mean go Bill, ahead tell me okay yeah what he's he's something he's he he was in odd future the uh los angeles hip-hop collective uh popular in the early 2010s uh he was something he was he was called a, a bit of a, a teenage prodigy by some he had a breakout mixtape called earl in 2010 and shortly afterwards he was shipped off to a boarding school in samoa by his parents where he stayed for a year and a half. He was around 16 or 17 when this happened, I believe. And so um, an, an early catchphrase of the Odd Future crew um, that was blowing up uh, was Free Earl. They put it on T-shirts. They said it in the raps. All the kids shouted it at their shows. Um, but yeah, eventually, um, I think in around 2012, he... Uh, came back to America and in 2013 he released his first um, studio album called Doris. Uh, he followed that up with albums in 2015 and 2018 and uh, Sick is his first full length uh, since 2018 and uh, I think it's really um, nice how he kind of paces himself. I don't know if it's really an intentional thing or not but lots of rappers kind of in his milieu tend to be like very productive and release often an album every year like he, he works closely with um the guys from arm and hammer uh mike navy blue wiki uh he doesn't i don't know if he has any direct interactions with the griselda crew but he does share many fans with them and they're, of course, a hyper-productive uh, group of guys. So the fact that we only get a new Earl album every three years or so um, is kind of nice because 
it allows there to be like a little hype to be built around it and you're not kind of like fatigued by the number of releases he put out he puts out you know you can always kind of keep up with it and uh he hasn't in by my you know uh estimates he has not uh disappointed us with an album yet so i'm not gonna ask him to uh switch up his process here um sick features production on several tracks from veteran uh hip-hop producer the alchemist and also uh, a rising star and a favorite of many underground rappers uh black noise um but yeah this this album to me is um i i think i i will say out of the gate i i don't know if i i, I maybe i would have rapped with this but i think i'll be straightforward in saying it's not his best um full length it may actually like i think his his last two albums i don't like shit uh wait, i don't wait, oh, man what is the whole name it's i don't like shit i don't go outside and some rap songs those are my two favorites of his i think that's the strongest work um his debut doris i think i think sick is kind of on the level of doris but he he's clearly like evolved artistically since then and like kind of focused in i think uh bill how how do you what, what do you kind of make of this album in comparison to his catalog and i don't know have have, have you been a big uh, earl sweatshirt fan in the past day one day one let's go yeah, I'm worried about Earl. Yeah. I've I've always been worried about Earl. He's the same age as my children, approximately, give or take a year. And the things that he was going through that compelled his parents to ship him off are things that my children and I can relate to. We went through similar things. And... Consequently, I've always considered Earl as a, one of my children. I feel as if I'm responsible for him, and I feel protective of him then and now. And sick to me, as fantastic as it is, and I think it's very, very good, seems to me like it's a cry for help. He's clearly in a dark place, and he's always been gloomy and pessimistic but he's completely embraced the sense of intoxication and blurriness even when his songs aren't necessarily about that you can still sense that there's a lot of that going on he's he's a man who has always been seemingly in deep pain and that hasn't changed for sick yeah he uh I, I was gonna say that the there aren't as many overt references to drug use on this album and but i i do i, I would agree that like yeah it is very I, I was gonna say uh like i was gonna wrap up almost by saying it's kind of this album is kind of a dizzying uh kind of collage of Earl's outlooks on life and his current kind of mindset and uh yeah so he 
but there that that isn't to say that's the the contents of the whole album there's he, he does deal in depression and grief and problems within his family and lots of other like kind of introspective storytelling but there there, there are moments of kind of looking beyond that and like wanting a brighter future like there are there are like a couple of these uh samples on the songs where he uh uh is is talking about kind of like black empowerment and uh i don't know there's there's like this the sample about uh i i lost my train of thought there but yeah no there's there's more there's more to this album than uh his his uh struggles with depression and whatnot uh it it also i think maybe or maybe not uh kind of tackles uh his mindset regarding uh the pandemic the the album is titled sick there i think are at least a couple if not more references to the pandemic i think there's even like, like there's he he says like fuck out my face with with the syringe like it's kind of like an ant like a, he's like questioning the vaccine he's he's kind of and he kind of doubles down on like you know he had the album I don't like shit I don't go outside I think he almost references that and like he's like oh wow we're we're really inside now yeah uh, don't have much choice about it so yeah no there's uh there's there's a lot of of that going on uh but musically um there i I think that it it is more varied uh like sonically like production wise than his last couple albums like it's not quite as cohesive because there there are these moments uh a couple of them are the black noise productions where he um kind of tackles like more modern sounds as opposed to like these kind of downbeat 90 style beats that he's been rapping over for the last five years or so like since he kind of since he returned from boarding school uh he, he's like any like all, almost all of his collaborators are from new york so it kind of takes on that style but uh there, those those songs with black noise and one with uh sam i am uh almost are like trap inspired in, in the production and it's it's fun to hear him rap over something like that and it it doesn't really take the album off course to me and so it's fun to kind of hear him explore those sounds what do you what do you make of the production and everything on this the production's incredible yep i i think i could rap over these beats and these sounds and sound halfway decent that's how good the production is but it, to me, though, you know, even though I called him a rapper in the introduction of the show, to me, Earl transcends that. I hear him now at this point as a poet, like in the beatnik style. He's an Allen Ginsberg type guy or a Lawrence Ferlinghetti. And, and the, the last song he references, Bootsy Collins, which is kind of funny because he's the opposite of Bootsy. And in fact... Earl reminds me of Sly Stone and Sly Stone at his druggiest. This Earl is 
one of you know the essential artists of our time and he deserves to be compared to the all-time greats even though he hasn't really put out that much but the level of his art is that high yeah i agree he i i i don't think you can find a bad song on any of his full lengths he does get a little more experimental when it comes to his eps and like some some kind of collaborations that he drops like that that feet of clay ep never stuck with me and he had that uh like 10 minute track solace that got kind of strange but uh within the the studio albums he's like you know 10 out of 10 like not not a bad song in, in in any of those um some some favorites of mine on here um well yeah i i i enjoyed those uh kind of more modern beats that i i referenced earlier but uh, all of the collaborations are are really great uh he has uh Zilupers, who's like i think he's from detroit he's a younger guy who works with danny brown a lot and he has kind of the same kind of zigzagging flow a similar one and i think he's pretty underappreciated and he he opens up uh the song that he is on with a very long kind of winding verse that's fun to listen to uh the song that features both rappers from arm and hammer elucid and billy woods are th those verses are great uh i love the, the one of my favorite lines on the album is uh is from billy woods verse he says, give my babies my rhyme books, but tell them, do you? I, that's, I think that's really fun. That's on a Tabula Rasa. And, uh, but also uh, Titanic is also a great tune, I think. Um, it's, there, there's, there's like kind of a couple callbacks, like style-wise to Earl, Earl's, like maybe like the Earl tape or, even, or maybe the, the Doris album. He has a line that's, uh, sweatshirt because you know how revenge is best served and I, I think that's great he's always he was like on, on his on his earlier stuff like he still raps with a great deal of confidence even though he's tackling these very heavy subjects and that line is is a kind of just a reminder that he can still rap with that kind of bravado but let's I agree with everything you said but let's not pretend that this is accessible. This is really difficult music. And you know, back on Doris, his breakout album, which is one of my favorite albums of the new millennium, you understand on that album, Doris, what he's talking about at all times. This Earl's evolved so that his music is dense and difficult and sometimes impenetrable. Do you agree? I, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I do like, I, I was going to say like, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm this, I, I made a mistake in, in putting this in my notes, but like, I, I feel like every Earl album like I'm sure you feel like this too, like to a certain extent, or like somehow. But like every Earl album is like essential listening to me, and like I feel like it should be for like any fan of hip hop or like great writing and in general, you know. So it's like, but yeah, like a lot of it, it does get very dense, and um, 
So like, yeah, of course that's going to be a little off putting, but I, I, I think he out, out of a lot of his collaborators and contemporaries, I would say he is more accessible than a majority of them. So if, 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 you, if there is any entry point for like a mainstream rap fan uh, to get into more kind of experimental abstract modern hip hop, I would say m- most of Earl's studio material is probably uh, uh, one of the easier entry points. And I think that's the same here. Fair enough. I just wanted to warn anyone that it's not necessarily going to be easy, even though the two of us love this. Yes. But uh, yeah, no, do you have any, any, any closing thoughts on this one or uh, will we be moving along to your pick? I'm very, Bill, I'm so excited to talk about your pick. Well, let's do it. I, I didn't think I was like, I, I picked the Earl album. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so fun to talk about. I'm going to, I'm going to love talking about the Earl album. I'm going to love talking about Alkaline Trio, but I think I am most excited to talk about your album after I listen to it. It came as a shock to me, even though I remember hearing for the first time in 1979, this big overblown rock song called I Need a Lover. I thought, oh, Meatloaf has a new, has a new single. This is great. Because it uh, it was just like Paradise by the Dashboard Light, but it wasn't Meatloaf. It was a guy named John Cougar, who later changed his name back to John Mellencamp, and he was one of the big stars of the '80s and the MTV era by writing sentimental songs about flyover country, and you know most everyone knows that. John Mellencamp was, and at his peak, he's certainly fallen off uh, commercially, but uh, he's the quintessential heartland rocker. Uh, he's now 70 years old. He doesn't need to keep making albums, obviously, but he just released this January, his 25th album called Strictly a One-Eyed Jack. And a case can be made that it's his best and most honest album. I always lie to strangers. I always lie to people I may know. There'll be no church bells. Would you like to make your case, Bill? Yeah, here's my case. Uh, he has always been cynical and jaded and tired, tired in the same way Earl is tired. Earl is prematurely tired. John Mellencamp has always assumed that attitude of like a guy who's an old soul. He's an old soul. He's hung over. He's sick of life. He's disillusioned with everything that's happened in the Midwest. He's, he's from Indiana. Uh, the bad guys have taken over. The bad guys have won. He's defeated. Well, now that he's 70 years old and now that his voice is completely gone due to s- apparently cigarette smoking for his entire life, he finally, sa- he finally has reached the point where his songwriting matches 
his age. And it all makes sense. He is a crank. He's a curmudgeon. But when you're 70 years old, I think it's, it's, it's more suitable and it fits better. So the songs on this new album are the same, essentially the same songs he's always been writing. But now he has this gravelly, blown out voice. He, he no longer, he knows that he's not going to get any commercial radio play. I mean, that's those days were gone a long time ago. So he can make the music he wants to make without any concessions whatsoever. You know, his biggest hits had, you know, big 80s drum sounds that, that sound ridiculous now. That's not a knock on him or the, the, the producers of that era, but that's just how music sounded then in the popular realm. So this man now is doing exactly what he wants for his own pleasure. And it works. I don't think it does. <laughs> Bill, I'm so, I was so excited to talk about this album because it's, I think it's total bullshit. I think it, it's, it's awful. Um, and I think this, you, you've picked albums before. Like I, it's, I, I think I've picked at least one or two albums that you've like actually hated, but you've only picked albums that I was like kind of whatever about, like just like take it or leave it, whatever. But this album wore me down in the worst possible way. Um, the only positive note I have is about the opening song. I, I did enjoy the opening song. I always lie to strangers. It made me chuckle at first due to like his, you know, gruff, solemn vocal style, but it won me over by the end because it was just a very honest song about being tired of the bullshit and the lies that one encounters in life. And uh, I, it was funny. I, I, lo I was looking you know, I was reading the lyrics, I was looking at the genius page for it. And it cites like some interview that he gave recently, where he was just talking about how both of America's political parties are lying to you. And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I fuck with that. Yeah, John, go John. Maybe, maybe I, I maybe I'll like this album. Cool. And but then it just it just turns to shit after that. Um, it's it's he's like, he's, he has such a like as you kind of described and as he kind of writes on the, the opening track, he's kind of a, at this point, at least a no bullshit guy. He's kind of a crank. Who's like, just give it to me straight. Like be honest in your life and your work. And yeah, but the, the thing is all of these songs are just kind of bullshit to me. Like he, like they're okay. I another the only other positive note I had I, I forgot. Like the musically, the the instrumentation on this album ranges from fine to very good. It's very you know it's a very like kind of bluesy, folksy rock sound that he has, and you know whoever he's playing with and whatever guitar he might be playing on it sounds perfectly fine to me but it really just comes in the lyric writing and uh, like, I don't know. I think he, he just thinks he's saying such profound shit just because he's like 
not writing pop songs anymore but like nothing that he writes beyond the opening track is profound in any way he he like he doesn't bother like okay i'm i'm not saying every, like any song needs to rhyme to be good but he just doesn't bother rhyming on half of these songs and then the the subject matter and the the points he's trying to make are not nearly impactful enough to to negate the the use of of rhyme schemes and when he does rhyme it's always it's it's all of these just like bargain bin rhymes like dead head uh fucking uh, go no uh, like it's it's like a a 18 year old could have could have written these lyrics like a fucking angsty 18 year old could have written this and it would be just the same like and he just wants to be a blues man so bad but he just doesn't fucking have the writing chops like did you say such a thing is hokey bullshit gone so soon is lazy uh i have no idea what the title track is about at all um the tra- like I, I guess he's transparent when he says I'd like to go somewhere safe, watch the world as it changes and become a folk singer. Like he's just like telling you like, yeah, I see myself as this cool guy who like, which is just pensive and watches the world turn and knows like nothing's going to change and whatever. And like, I guess that's a fine enough philosophy to have, but like the way in which you're communicating that is not fun or compelling or anything uh bill please refute anything i just said yeah my (laughs) wife said whoever this is he's he just wants to be bob dylan yeah because she didn't recognize his voice of course you know and but she was right he does want to be bob dylan yeah so so do all his peers you know jackson brown Bruce Springsteen, who's on three tracks in this album. Uh, Bruce Springsteen is a much better writer. But John Mellencamp does want to be Bob Dylan, but he's never been close. He's not even in that. He's not in that category. No. He is. And and I love John Mellencamp, but he is kind of a middling heartland rocker. And that's just what it is. He's I, 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 Jack and Diane and fucking like the, the eighties hits. Like, I don't have, like, they're kind of annoying. Like, but I, in the right setting, I can enjoy some, like the stuff on American fool. Like that's, that's what he was decent. at. Those, those songs though, have all the same rhyme schemes you're complaining about. Nothing's changed for him. And that's, what's cool. The only thing that's changed is he's more, open about his anger and disillusionment and the music is as you said uh you know makes no concessions whatsoever this is the same guy this is the same music just without any restraints from a a record label or an anr guy or God forbid, a radio programmer. This is Jack and Diane, but now Jack and Diane 
are old, they're on social security and they're not going to be able to make their mortgage payment. That's what this is. This is the same thing he's always done, but 30, 40 years later. And and that's, that's a good thing. This is an honest, real record. He he doesn't do anything to like you're 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 trying to trying to update Jack and Diane here, but he doesn't he doesn't do anything to like uh like like dial in on the the fact that like um, Americans are like not struggling and like well like I guess I'm, I'm I guess I think he touches on that a couple of times, but he like he doesn't uh, articulate. Like I, I think you, you, you and I probably both understand what he's going for thematically, but he he doesn't do the work himself to articulate these these themes that he wants to get across. No, but it's there. It's between the lines, and I think it's stronger that he doesn't get specific. I don't want to hear him doing songs that are specifically about his health insurance company and the problems he's having there. Maybe he would find a rhyme in there. <laughs> Maybe, but, 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 but I, I'm going to, I mean, I'm just going to point out one song Yeah, okay. that I think negates everything you've said. It's called wasted days. And it's about being old. It's about wondering, uh, and I quote, how many minutes we have left. It's about, you know, falling apart. It's about decay. It's about, regrets of a life that may have been wasted or poorly lived well like 20 something 30 something year old punk rockers like like the fucking dead boys write about decay and wasting away and wasting your life and whatever but they they do it in a way that's cool and fun to listen to this isn't a but this is the voice of experience this is someone who sees these things and feels these things this isn't a guy pretending this is this is even though he's oh, I, I recognize I, I recognize it's real but I, I i i'm not gonna enjoy sitting next to like some like wasp grandpa complaining about fucking the news like and enjoy it <laughs> that is what this is to some extent but honestly aaron i relate to these songs yeah. uh with a couple exceptions there's one that's a rewrite of uh louis armstrong's what a wonderful world that's trash it's called driving in the rain mm. there's a rewrite of uh believe it or not i can't believe i'm going to say this out loud rainbow connection it's called chasing rainbows that's corny but even when he is trying to be bob dylan such as on streets of galilee which is a rewrite of bob dylan's blind william McDowell. And not a very good one, but still it's a blues. The music is good. His voice is fantastic. This is who he's always, this is who he was always meant to be. I'm, I'm, I could agree with you in, in, in that uh, assertion, but uh, not, not much else here. No, this is, it's not, this is not an artistically important album but it's an album that resonates with me, brings me great pleasure. And I, yeah, I guess I've reached that age, Aaron, at which I want to hear a cranky guy 
do songs that are the equivalent of get off my lawn. Mm. Uh, like uh, who, who else is doing those right now? I think it's, um, is it, is it Clapton that's doing like the, uh, anti-vax, uh, yeah. who, the, who, who am more, I thinking more of? specifically? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, uh, yeah. behaving very poorly. Uh, but the, I think the old oh, guy you're Vom? thinking of is, Van, is Van, Van Morrison. Morrison. Van yeah, Morrison. yeah, there we go. Yeah, Van Morrison's always been a crank as well. So yeah, th this is a good time to be Van Morrison because finally he can let it all out and it kind of makes sense. Not that I agree with the things that he says, but he is being true to himself. Earl, well. Earl might agree. Earl, <laughs> Earl is... Uh, this, this, this makes me want to listen to the Van Morrison album, though. <laughs> it, it has to be better. <laughs> it's the... You know, what's what's... It's neither here nor there, but musically, Van Morrison is now doing straight ahead Kansas City Swing. That's his music. That's what the sound he's settled on. And it's fantastic that way. Uh, you you know, you said uh, John Mellencamp wants to be an old blues singer. Well, Van Morrison wants to be Big Joe Turner. Uh -huh. And that's that's a good thing. It's too bad about the songs. Uh, but, I'm I'm. I'm going to be listening to that soon and I'll, I'll report back. Have, have you listened to, to his recent, most recent album? Yes. Uh, like I said, musically it goes, it, musically it's solid, but it goes on forever. Did you, beware. With, uh, it's, it's long. Uh, okay. But okay. Aside from your political uh, disagreements, is it well-written otherwise? Well, the, the, the things you say you want from John Mellencamp, which are very specific uh, to uh, about issues at hand, uh, and I'm that I'm that those things that I'm glad John Mellencamp doesn't uh, articulate. Van Morrison does. Van gets very specific about uh, record labels and uh, British government. And on and on, and it, yeah, it's 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 tiresome and embarrassing. Uh, shout out Neil Young. Okay, uh, on to our next album. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's this week's throwback. It's Alkaline Trios from Here to Infirmary, released in two thousand one on Vagrant Records. I've been wanting to talk about the trio for a minute. Um, and I, I don't know if I did this subconsciously or not, but they, they, they are on the uh, already infamous When We Were Young Festival lineup, which is Live Nation's Las Vegas Warp Tour Revival One Day Blowout. But, but, it's this, but I guess they've extended it to multiple days, but it's the same lineup every day. Uh, just because they, there's like a shit ton of bands on there and I can't imagine you can see everyone you want to in one day. So I guess it makes sense to go multiple days if you want to catch everything. Uh, but yeah, no, Alkaline Trio is a Chicago punk rock slash pop punk slash mm, maybe emo trio at times. Their, their song Radio, definitely an emo song. Uh, they formed in 1996. From Here to Infirmary is their third studio album. Uh, 
hardcore fans of the band I, I I've read and heard people agreeing that this album does have several of the band's best songs though a common critique is the production style I guess so I, I I've heard people talking about how the drums may be like clipping in certain moments and I've listened before like and specifically listened for that and I feel like I've heard it at times but at other times I haven't so I don't know if that's really the case I'm I don't have an ear for production exactly like that but regardless these songs um I I love them I they, I think they're uh they i and i I always pitch alkaline i i'm trying to get so many i i'm i'm constantly evangelizing like a handful of my favorite artists at any given moment and alkaline trio has been one of them for the last couple years like i love them in high school and i just forgot about them for a couple years but now i'm i'm back on the train and i every friend i try to introduce them to i i sell i try to sell them as they're my chemical romance for adults who are alcoholics um because yeah no they have just this kind of gothic flair to them it's they they you know uh matt skiba the guitarist and singer and one of the main songwriters he he loves all of this noir imagery this kind of vampire imagery this all this stuff it's very morbid, dark stuff, but it's all played over this very punchy, catchy, melodic punk that kind of borders on pop punk at sometimes. It's all these catchy power chords. And but meanwhile, there's this very the, the rhythm section is always killer and really engaging in a way that a lot of punk bands aren't. Like Dan Andriano's bass lines are always like you there's always a moment in each song where you're like oh dan just fucking did a thing right there and then somehow like they've had a handful of different drummers over the years matt and dan are the two main members but every drummer they get seems to have like really great technical chops and they they play in a way where like all all the fills are like really like they they just grab you in a way that a lot of bands drum fills don't end up grabbing you and uh so i was hoping we would get a 20th anniversary tour for this album uh so maybe a 25th anniversary tour will maybe be in the cards because i i would love to hear this just played front to back um bill how do you have what's your experience with the alkaline trio and how do you feel about from here to infirmary in a general Aaron, sense? For 20 years, I've known guys who swear by Alkaline Trio. And I've always written those dudes off as simpletons. The band's music always struck me as obvious and rudimentary bro punk. But maybe listening to the album 10 times in the last 10 days, is like the pop punk equivalent of Stockholm Syndrome because I've learned to love this album. It won me over at about listen five or six <laughs> in the car. Yeah. And 
Yeah, you're right. On headphones, I'm like, man, this production is terrible. It's embarrassingly bad, but it works in a car, at least my little Toyota. Yep. And I completely embrace these songs and I look forward to the day, maybe in two or three years for that hypothetical anniversary tour you're talking about, where we can have our arms around one another, jumping up and down with uh, beer spilling everywhere. Yeah. Uh, sing, singing these, singing along to these songs. That would be a very good time for me. Yes. Uh, because, okay, so, so I, I will posit that I, I had a tough time picking between this album and their debut album. God damn it. I, I believe those are their two best albums. Uh, their second album, Maybe I'll Catch Fire, is a, is a close like third behind them. The, the first three albums are really the essential ones if you want to dive into the catalog. And they, they didn't even really recover from like Good Morning, the album after From Here to Infirmary has a handful of great songs but kind of falls off after a moment and they don't really recover until 2018's is this thing cursed like the, the front half of that album is it kicks ass and i think it's maybe because matt skiba i think by that time had joined blink 182 replacing tom DeLong, and they've also all like matt and dan have both had a handful of side projects over the years and i think maybe they got all of the shit out of their systems that they wanted to try out and could refocus on what made Alkaline Trio a great band. And uh, I think everything that makes Alkaline Trio a great band it is apparent on this album. I think it's the moment where they incorporate all of this like gothic, melodramatic songwriting with these punchy punk rock uh, power chords. And, but on Good Morning, there's, uh, I believe I think it's on Good Morning, if not the album after it. They they start incorporating like all these pianos, and it just gets to be like too big of a production. So this album is like bef- like the moment right before they kind of start to overdo it. And I, I think at that point they're assigned to a major label, but but this is still on Vagrant, which is an independent label at the time. Um, so yeah, this this thing is like front to back for me, like all bangers. It opens with private eye which is this like like all of matt's songs are the more kind of melodramatic gothic songs and dan's songs while still melodramatic and in like an emotional way are more like kind of straightforward like love songs like songs about being brokenhearted and whatever but matt likes to uh, feel like a vampire while he's like drinking himself to death he thinks that's cool and i also think it's cool like because he obviously like um, is like a big fan of like the Damned and the Misfits and the Ramones and all these like early punk bands, and it, so it doesn't stray too far into the pop territory. It still has like a kick to it, and uh, it's it's funny because I, I I make the comparison to My Chemical Romance earlier, and I, I listened to the. Vagrant, Re- Vagrant Records has been doing a podcast series for their 25th anniversary as a label. And Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids hosted, I think he's been hosting all the episodes, but he had the, a couple members from Alkaline Trio on the episode. I forget which one, but while they were, they were touring with My Chemical Romance and at one point, like they, one of the members from Alkaline Trio was wearing like a Catholic priest outfit on stage 
And Gerard Way's like, oh, that's really cool. I've been I've been thinking about getting one of those. Can I like try that on? And he's like, oh yeah, sure. And he wear he ends up taking it and wearing it on stage. And then he's like in all these magazines. Like everybody's like, oh my gosh, look at Gerard Way. He's in this this priest outfit. And like he never give apparently he never gave the the costume back to Alkaline Trio. So like in a somewhat literal sense, they were like stealing their shit. And like no hate to My Chemical Romance, they're a, an important band in in their own respects. I, not as important to me, but um, yeah, no. It so you, you start with Private Eye, which is like this like neo noir like banger about like I okay. So one thing is that the songwriting does get a little vague and bullshitty at points. Like you're like, I don't know exactly what he's talking about. It's dark, but I don't know what he's talking about. And that happens a little bit on private eye. I guess, but he says, you know, the guy, the the narrator of the song is literally passed out on the floor. Yeah, no. And he's some of the lines are just so visceral and like grotesque at points where it's like, wow, like imagine being that fucked up about something like uh, the, the, the line, it kills me on that song is New, New Year's Eve was as boring as heaven. I watched flies fuck on channel 11. There was no one to kiss. There was nothing to drink except some old rotten milk. Someone left in the sink. I'm like, that's a bars, bars. Amazing. I love it. Um, and then, so one, one of my favorite trio songs might be message for kathleen from the first album god damn it but i think a very similar song on this album is i'm dying tomorrow which both of those songs are dan songs he has the the lower voice between the two of them you can tell and he doesn't sing on as many songs as matt but he always has a few on every album but like dan can write like a, just a straightforward like broken-hearted emo punk rock banger like no one's business like he's he's he has all these like really witty like plays on words um and yeah no it's great and then it's just kind of contrasted by matt's more kind of juvenile cartoonish style that you see on mr chainsaw or stupid kid like mr chainsaw he's talking about like like cutting out his eardrums and his eye sockets and he this is the last time i'll i'll see i'll look up at the moon and cry like it's just like he shouldn't like they shouldn't be able to get away with these lyrics but they do and it's yeah what what do you have to say about any specific tunes here the pain feels real only a handful of songs don't work for me like stupid kid to me sounds like a hannah montana song no, it it is like far like the poppiest. I like it had it had a music video. I think I saw it on Fuse at one point as a as a kid. That was maybe my first uh, interaction with Alkaline Trio. But uh, songs like Crawl are really solid. That I can't believe how much I ended up liking songs like Crawl, which is an amazing song about alcoholism. Yeah. But my my question for you, Aaron, is how this band fits in among its peers because for before we I, we started this process for the podcast i thought this is just like a a band that does the same thing but isn't as good as green day classic green day 
or maybe is a little bit smarter than Blink, I still don't really have a good handle on where the band fits into this landscape and why someone, maybe someone going to this festival in Vegas is yeah. what, why, who lists, who prefers Alkaline Trio to all these other bands that sound a lot like this? Well, I think it is like people who are like, I think I'm probably one of their youngest, biggest fans, you know, like, I think it is generally people in their, like 30s and 40s now who like grew up on this band kind of in the 90s um just because like i don't know everything post 2000 is like straight pop punk and like this is kind of inaccessible to a lot of people who want a much poppier cleaner sound but uh i i think i was looking at their wikipedia page and i think uh it was put well on there that they they have the um the like punk rock like punchiness and the lyrical turn of phrase that a band like jawbreaker has but and meanwhile is importing the kind of misfits damned like gothic i like imagery and iconography into like just a standard melodic punk band that is just very sound in its in its writing and uh they they did they just get a little more like th this like my beyond the mcr pitch um to me this is all this is this album and god damn it are both like the perfect uh midwestern winter album midwestern uh, midwestern punk album to get wasted to in the dead of winter like as you're like alone and crying in bed like this or like just driving around and just fucking like you're driving through a fucking snowstorm and you're depressed as hell like this no better no better album than than those situations than this yeah there are references to driving to the liquor store and such throughout uh there's take lots with alcohol Great, yeah. great song title. Yeah, that, that's that's a good one. Uh, there's another song. Is it maybe it's that one where he says, uh, the "Guy says, uh, I never had a drink I didn't like." Yeah, yeah. I think it's never met a drink I didn't like. Yeah, got yeah, got yeah. a taste of you. Stayed up all night. Yeah, banger. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, Aaron, for uh, bringing me around. I'm uh, gonna have to find other reasons to think less of those guys who always talk about this band because now I'm one of them. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I put you on and uh, have you listened to God damn it yet? Nope. Okay. Well, I, I think if you, if you, if you were put off at all by any of the production choices or the theatricality of this album, both of those things are like, a little more toned down and raw on God damn it. While well, the, the songs are just as good. So uh, I would recommend that as your, your next listen. Yeah, I'll do it. I was, I always with every listen wanted a little bit more danger, a little bit uh, edges, more jagged. Yeah. This sounded to me 
a little too slick and polished. And when I listen to rock, I want it to sound dangerous. Yeah. And the lyrics here are dangerous, but the music really isn't. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, gl I'm glad I, I brought you around and uh, I have someone to share Alkaline Trio with finally. Uh, none, none of my roommates have ever cared to, none of, none of my other friends have cared to, but uh, I've, I've got Bill Brownlee on my side now. Uh, I, I, I met Bill Brownlee, I'm never going to fail. <laughs> <sighs> I, I just all side note complete side note i just watched the first part of the kanye netflix documentary that that leaked and it's amazing and i recommend it to everyone uh bill uh give us your plugs well i should have and wish i had a kanye west fan club site that I oversee, but I don't. People can read my old man comments about things like John Mellencamp and Earl Sweatshirt at, hey, an Alkaline Trio uh, friendly title blog. There stands the glass.com. And I write about Kansas City's jazz scene at plasticsax.com. And when I'm not doing that, I go to Aaron's site to see what's really happening for people under the age of 50. <laughs> and, and that site would be shuttlecockmusic.com. Uh, on social media, it's at shuttlecockmag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, the web store is shuttlecockmag.bigcartel.com. Uh, there's still copies of issue five of the magazine available on there. Uh, the, the cover story is Kansas City rapper D-Walk um there's also buttons and stickers and there will soon be a new t-shirt that i've been stalling on posting to the web store but is available at all of my upcoming shows i've booked i i just need to take nice pictures of the t-shirt and that hasn't happened yet but it should be up on there within the next week or two and uh maybe i can be the model aaron Maybe, maybe you could. I, I, I promised a friend that, that they could, but uh, I'll, I'll call you if, uh, if, if I get rain checked or something. Yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Bill. I'm, I, I'm sorry. Uh, right. I'm used to it. To all, to all of our listeners out there, uh, we're, we're sorry. And uh, see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.